thank you for joining us for episode 448 of Live Happy Now. Managing grief is a challenge at any time of the year, but during the holidays, it becomes even more difficult. So today, we're talking about how to navigate your grief during the holiday season. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and today I'm sitting down with Gina Moffa, a licensed psychotherapist and mental health educator who specializes in treating trauma and grief. Her new book, Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go, offers new tools and perspectives for managing grief and loss, and she's here to talk with me about how we can manage our own grief and how to provide support to others who are grieving this holiday season. Let's have a listen. Gina, happy holidays. Hi, Paula. Happy holidays to you. I am so excited to be able to talk to you today because it's a difficult time for a lot of people right now. And and of course, I wanted to, uh, you know, there's so many things that are going on. So many people I know that are experiencing loss. You know, I talked about that a little bit before, you know, before we started recording. And and it just really led me to say, you know, once again, I feel like this is a topic of that we need to sit down and discuss because we don't talk about grief quite enough. And I wanted to start by talking about your own experience, because in your terrific new book, you talk about when you lost your mother, even though you had been doing this work with others, it it was different when it happened to you. So I love that perspective that you give. Um, can you can you talk about that story just a little bit? Sure. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it it's kind of a funny tale of the grief therapist that got grief wrong, you know, because I thought with all of my training and with all of the tools and the years and the education, you know, that I would have kind of a step up in a way, right? There was this arrogance that I came with thinking, I've got all the tools. So when my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she was misdiagnosed for a good year. I don't talk about that in the book, but you know, she went to the doctor, knew something was wrong, tried to advocate for herself and really wasn't getting anywhere. And by the time they they did catch it as uh, cancer, it was it was stage four and there wasn't a whole lot they could do. So um, there was a little bit of trauma in that, you know, of like what if only if we only could have mm-hmm. caught this. And so I felt like at that particular time then when we did lose her, that I needed to have some semblance of control. And, you know, I thought, I I really thought that having the intellectual understanding of grief would give me a leg up and I could sort of stand on top of the rocks and throw up my flag of victory. And that would be, you know, the, my path. And I was sadly mistaken and really deeply humbled because what I didn't understand at the time was that grief is a full body experience. And if you're not allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel and you're not, you know, mindful of how it could show up in your body and really taking very good care of yourself, it will come and knock very hard on your door and sometimes knock you down. And Mm -hmm. so that was one of the really, really big lessons for me. But it was also sort of contending with the idea that, you know, you could have all of the tools in the world, you could have all of the education, years and years of different trainings and still you know, be taken down by loss. And, you know, so it's it's so much less science and so much more mystery. It was one of my biggest learnings. And I thought that was such an important lesson to share because on the one hand, we might take away like, well, if a grief specialist can't handle it, how can we mere mortals do it? <laughs> but instead, what you really show us is, yeah, this is a human experience and we can apply all the psychology and the science and the how-tos and should-dos to it, but it's still an 
individual personal painful experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other lessons was that, you know, we could also say, you know, I've gone through different losses. I've had a divorce or I lost a pet, you know, other really substantial, you know, life-changing losses, but every single loss is different and how it comes to us is different and how we metabolize it is different. And so I think that was another lesson in all of this is really understanding not only is it personal, but within our personal losses, each one comes with a different flavor and a different you know, way of processing it. I think that's such an important point to make because, you know, as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking of, yes, I've lost both my parents. I've lost a beloved aunt. I've, I've lost pets. And each one does land differently. Even with, say, having lost multiple dogs, the loss of each dog is different. Yeah. And we don't necessarily give ourselves that grace of just because I handled this well means I'm going to handle this loss exactly like that. Right. And I I mean, look, and I, I hate to say it, but I blame society. We were never taught about grief there. We were never taught how to show up for our feelings or how to understand and support ourselves in loss. It's always just been a hurry up and get over it or, you know, f- cry and feel sadness. But that's really it. And I think it's such a complicated, incredibly unpredictable experience. And I think if we were taught to do better, we would be able to give ourselves that grace and that patience and the space to show up in whatever ways that loss asks of us. Yeah, because I think especially with like the stages of loss and things like that, we have this idea that there's a checklist that we're going to go through and then move on. And and that's that's not at all what happens. Right. And, you know, I'm really surprised that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief still exists in so much literature because it, it really was intended when she wrote it to be for the terminally ill themselves, where there would be an end time, right? So the acceptance would be something they would have to come to. But I think one of the things that's tricky is, you know, on the one hand, it's great that we have kind of a structure of some kind that, you know, there, these are some things we can expect. Sure. But, you know, that there's so much more involved in that and and there's no end time and that it will be with us forever. And so I think that can be a real shock to people when, you know, they come into my office, for example, and I'm and I'm saying to them, you know, grief will be with you always. And, you know, people are like, wait, what? What? what yeah. When do I get to acceptance? <laughs> I thought this is just, you know, I get through these stages and then I'm better. You know, and that now you're talking to me about anniversaries and holidays and, you know, death days and and meaningful days where it's going to come up and bite me. And I'm I'm terrified of that. That sounds terrible. But like, how do I get out of here? And, you know, but that's the realistic view of grief is that our people will always be with us. And yeah. with that love comes great, great anguish and despair as well. And it's balancing the two for the rest of our days. Yeah, I'm so glad that you bring that up because I think also as observers, sometimes we think someone should be more healed than they are. And it's like, no, they if they lost their person and it's like, I can't imagine going the rest of my life without my person, you know, yeah. and, and why would I expect that somebody else after a certain period of mourning or a certain period of years would be able to just resume their life as if as if that's just history. Right. I mean, imagine, you know, somebody going through open heart surgery and and you just say, okay, great. Like get back to working out, get back, you know, the next day. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, we look at loss or we look at, you know, even mental health challenges as something that we can just 
hurry up and get better with because we can't see it. But the truth is, is it's as specialized as spinal surgery or open heart surgery when we go through loss. And the recovery time is indefinitely in a lot of ways. You know, obviously, as a therapist, my hope is that we aren't isolating or ruminating for too long or really getting trapped in the what ifs and the should haves and all of that, because that can lead to much more despair and, and mental health challenges, deeper ones. But I mean, yeah, I think that we rush people through because we're scared and we don't know better. And it's hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody's individual experience because we're just not good at it. Mm -hmm. I would say that's very, very true. And, you know, one thing that you introduce in your book is the idea called grief fall. Mm -hmm. And Will you, will you explain what that is? You, you're going to say this so much better than I do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, I, I was thinking of the time that I got the call that my mother had died from my father and I had just called to check in to let them know I would be on the next train. I just had to come back to the city for just an hour to do something and was headed right back. And within that time frame, you know, uh, my mother died. And I got the call as soon as I hung up with my father, he called me right back and said, in the time I came to talk to you, your mother died. And wow. it was this moment where I, I, I just, it was a portal for me. It was the moment that I knew nothing would ever be the same. And it was that call where my entire body felt flushed. I could feel pins and needles in my face. I could feel the blood rush around in my body trying to find its center it was it was an experience that i can recall even telling you right now but it but it was for me a free fall and and i i needed it to have a name because i know that we all have this sensation when we get a diagnosis or we get that phone call also you know or we're holding our pet's paw you know this moment that we know will never be the same and it's a free fall and we don't know exactly where we will land or if we were if we will land or where that where that will be or what that will look like it feels like a foreign landscape and another planet and to me you, you're not grieving until you find your landing and so it's it's that portal into grief that moment that we know and everyone can recall a time where they that remember when moment when i mm -hmm. got the news or i lost something or someone incredibly significant to me. And it felt important to give it a name because it, it it's a defining moment for so many of us. And that's such an appropriate name for it. Because as, as you said, like you have one moment where things, it's the world as you know it. And in a split second, everything is different. Everything feels different. And you know that it's never going to go back to being the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the day that I, you know, I'm walking down a street in Manhattan and I'm and I'm like, I no longer have a mother. Mm -hmm. That's it. This is for the rest of my life. I no longer have this person who was my lighthouse, who was my due north. Uh, you know, the person I I needed for the the smallest of things. You know, how to, how long can I keep this chicken in my refrigerator? You know, <laughs> the, the things that you would need a mom for. You know, and thinking, wow, this is it now for the rest of my life. And I don't even I haven't reached the tip of what this actually means or what this will feel like but I know that I'm in the fall of it. And so, yeah, yeah it could be incredibly traumatic. And, and so you had alluded to the fact about how grief affects your entire body. Can you talk about some of the ways that grief does manifest itself physically? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the things we often forget is that, you know, grief is a stressor, a huge, huge stressor. And so all of the things that come along with a major stress, you know, increased inflammation, uh, immune response, you know, if you find yourself bumping into things more, if you find yourself exhausted or you can't sleep, if your appetite has shifted in some way, your libido is different, you know, you, people are getting headaches or they can't see well, people are having stomach aches. I mean, these are just some of the things, but you know, there is such a thing as the mind-body connection and we, we know it in theory, but I think we don't often think about it when it comes to something as lot, you know, as as much as losses. And so, you know, it affects every one of our systems. We have 12 systems, you know, and the brain is, uh, you know, the nervous system comes into play. It's it's scanning for danger. When we are going through a loss, it's got a lot of work to do, the nervous system itself. It creates anxiety. We, you know, our heart races, you know, we get sweaty palms. Our our nervous system itself is seeking danger because that's actual only job is to keep us alive. And so when we have a loss significant, you know, in our lives, our nervous system will go off and say, okay, this is the, this is possible. You know, what other danger will happen? What could be next? And how will I ever be okay? And so, you know, there's a multitude of ways that grief comes to our bodies and it could be small ways, you know, where you just are having appetite issues or you just, you know, you can't sleep as much, but it could be as big as you actually develop, you know, there's such a thing as broken hearted syndrome, you know, where, you know, you do actually have uh, restricted blood flow to the heart and, you know, you get hypertension and your, and your entire equilibrium can go off. And so that's why I really, really press people. And I say, it's not important to have self-care. It's survival care. You have to, you cannot ignore the body's doorbell, you know, and we have to really figure out how we can take care of ourselves. Even when we don't have the energy, we don't have the desire or we don't have the time that, which is, you know, something that I said in my book, I don't have time. I have too many things to do. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it was over and over. I just kept moving and pushing until I wound up in the ER with pancreatitis and later on a thyroid disorder. And so it was really, when I say, when I said earlier, it was a humbling experience to go through the grief process as a grief therapist. It certainly was head to toe <laughs> humbling. Did that change how you approach it with clients at all? Or did it just kind of reinforce what you've known? It did change it because it was one of the things I hadn't learned in any of my education. And mind you, at the time I was in graduate school, and actually including now, there still is no main curriculum that teaches any clinician whatsoever about loss that isn't either um, just centered around um, end-of-life care or um, spiritual aspects of loss. And so I didn't know. I really didn't understand how the body could play a part. And now, of course, it is one of the things I talk about the most, which is when we're in fresh grief, one of the things we have to remember is that grief takes endurance. And one of that, you know, one of the ways it will show up is it will exhaust you. It's not a sprint. We're not trying to get to that, the end of that fifth step. This is going to be with us over and over in different ways and in different intensities. And so, you know, when we're feeling overwhelmed or when we're just enduring a loss, it's most important to make sure that we're drinking enough water, we're getting enough nutrition, we're getting movement, we're getting fresh air, you know, that, you know, we're getting enough rest, even if we can't sleep, that we're resting our body. 
and that we're really just mindful that the body is going to play as equal a part to our processing and experiencing loss as our emotional aspects. So I just so absolutely I love that you bring that up. I just love the way you approach it because I feel that's so often overlooked. And, you know, I, I wanted to talk specifically about grief in the holidays. And what I was thinking about as you're talking about it is, you know, this is also a time of the year where there is more stress. So even mm -hmm. without the grief, let's look at it. Our schedules are packed. There's more stress. There's bugs like the one I have <laughs> circulating <laughs> around. I'm with um, you. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's all there's all this added stress and pressure. And now we throw in the component of grief in the holiday season. Mm -hmm. So how important is it to be able to address this, this, the pain, the agony, the, the challenges of grief? I think it's going to be just incredibly important to become more aware, right? You know, the first few years after a loss can be incredibly overwhelming. And, you know, for so many people, whether your loss is recent or whether it's years, you know, years ago, there is a heaviness that can start to grow for people when we hit the month of November. You know, especially if you were in some ways someone who enjoyed the holidays or had, you know, special traditions or rituals with your loved ones who are no longer here. And so, you know, I think one of the things it brings up is, you know, the holidays spotlight everything that we're missing. And, you know, they put in so much pressure to find cheer and look on the bright side and look at the silver lining. And it can it can really feel like a forced sense of cheer when all you really want to do is hide away until, you know, January 2nd. But there are ways that you can survive it. Sometimes I don't say, you know, have a good holiday. I'm like, have a holiday. Yeah. Get, have a day. Just get through the day. That's all it has to be. If it hurts, we don't have to give it the attention. We don't have to pretend that, you know, we don't have to pretend that we're we're feeling festive in any way. And, and I like that you say that because I do think people feel like I need to put on a brave face. I need to participate in the holidays. I need to be filled with cheer. And it's like, if you're not feeling it, don't, you don't have to do it. Exactly. And I think, you know, people are often nervous to tell their loved ones that they don't want to participate but I think there's ways to prepare for the holidays as a griever that can make it a lot easier for you, you know, and at the end of the day, it's what can I do for myself to take the pressure off? We need time for ourselves as grievers. We're going to need the time to have solitude and self-reflection and to feel our feelings. And so we may not be able to do the things that we've done in the past. And I think communicating that if somebody doesn't get it, which we would hope our loved ones could understand, but in the in the case that they don't because they are uncomfortable or because they they think that being around people could cheer you up, I think it's okay to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be able what I to do what I've done in the past. I'm not, I'm not okay and I'm gonna do my best. But if I need to forego this holiday, you know, please forgive me and please be with me and support me in that. Yeah, and I think that's so important to be able to say, especially because, all right, the holidays have already been forever changed. So if you're changing one more component of it, that shouldn't bother somebody else. It's like, I'm adapting to fit my needs. And and that's just kind of how we have to do. And it's about, you know, healthy survival. It's not just about survival. It's about being healthy throughout that. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, and saying no is healthy and it is self-care. You know, celebrating is counterintuitive to the way that you're feeling, you know, mm -hmm. if, uh, with loss. So, 
you know, Christmas comes around every year. So if you have to skip it, it's okay. It's it's not a once in a lifetime event. Um, and so I think it's okay to give ourselves permission to say no is a complete sentence and it is the highest form of self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. You know, when I was about six years old, um, my favorite aunt and uncle, my uncle died on Christmas Eve. Oh. And we he always played Santa Claus for all the cousins. And <laughs> he was also like, that's where we did Christmas Eve together, everyone wow. and all the, the whole family. And so everyone was, we were going to cancel it. My aunt Lillian was like, no, this is for the kids. We're going to do it. And, and I've always wondered about that because I, I remember that Christmas Eve so clearly because mm. there was a sense of not, not even a sense of loss. There was a sense of joy. It was a, an awareness that it was different, but there was also a, such an appreciation because this was still going on in the wake of this loss. It was a very unique experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I regret that I never asked my aunt about how she felt about that and what that did for her. That is, no, I mean, what I love about that is that it brings up another angle of the holidays, which is that some people will really, really feel so much comfort in continuing the traditions and continuing the rituals and having their loved ones around them in some way to celebrate the goodness of the person, you know, in the special way that they were in the world with people or in the family. And that is a way of grieving too. And that grief itself doesn't have to just look like sadness and, you know, and isolation, that it can actually look like coming together and celebrating a person who isn't there in the same ways that we would celebrate as if they were. Yeah. And so I think that's also really important to point out. And another thing, and you, you mentioned this earlier when you talked about this can go on for years and and we tend to think like, okay, someone's first year is tough and then, okay, now we're back on schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's so important to realize that each year is going to be different. You know, I have a friend from high school who lost her husband last year. A great guy. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. And so last year was difficult because all the first holidays, all the firsts without him. And so as the holidays started co coming around this year, I reached out, and said, how are you doing? And she said, you know, for some reason, this year is more difficult. Yeah. And, and I think people get puzzled by that because we're kind of taught that, oh, get through that first year and it gets better. But that's not necessarily the case. It's absolutely a myth. You know, the thing about the first year is that it's a year of firsts. That is exactly what it is. It is a year of getting used to it. It's a year of shock, but it's also a year that more people are supportive. There's more people around to say, hey, I'm thinking of you this Christmas, or I'm thinking of you on so-and-so's birthday. And so the real loss itself hasn't sunk in yet. It's when people decide that your mourning period is over and life is back as we know it, you know, year two through forever, that it, the real reality of our losses can sink in. And, you know, we forget that life, life does go on, which means that we can have hard days that don't have anything to do with our loss, but that can make our loss feel harder when it comes about. And so, you know, the world at large, you know, when the world is at war, for example, or, you know, we're looking at poverty around us or, you know, whatever it is, or we had, we lost a job, you know, it can make losing a parent or a spouse or a child so much harder. And we often don't take that into account. We, we always sort of isolate our losses. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it it's it's kind of all it all plays into it and in, in how we metabolize emotions and our experiences. You know, as I'm talking to you, my mother's death anniversary is this week. 
Oh, and wow. and I was thinking, you know, it's it's going to be seven years, and it's and it feels like such a long time, and every year feels different. But this year also feels hard, and you know, and it could be that we just sold our family home, but it could be that the world is just feeling very uncertain, and you know, and I think some of that plays into it. And so, you know, in the air of transparency, you know, it does. Every year can feel really different, and you know, I remember last year not feeling quite as intense as it does this year. So I think we have to really bring that word grace as a companion with us every single time we're looking at loss. And then what tools do you have for for dealing with that? Like, how do you make it through each year? If you can't say, this is what I can expect, how do you walk on that path with grief as your companion if it's going to be a different journey each each year? Yeah. And it's really interesting because some of the best advice I can give, even in the unpredictable, is to be prepared. You know, I, for example, will plan getting together with friends and, you know, either toasting my mother or creating a meal that she loved and and honoring her in some way. And so, and that's the way I like to prepare so that I'm not alone and that I'm with people who loved her or who knew her and we can tell stories. For other people, maybe being alone and watching a movie is what they want to do. And so I think, you know, even in the unpredictable, we can prepare in a way that we can ask ourselves, okay, maybe I'll have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And I can decide, you know, that day, depending on how I feel, if it's more intense or less intense, which one I'm going to do. But I think what it can help with, and I say this a lot about, you know, the preparing for the holidays is that, you know, the worst part is the anticipation and the anxiety leading up to it, the not knowing, right? So having a plan or several plans for that specific day, even if you decide to forego them, can can really relieve some of that anxiety of the unpredictability. That's a great tip. And, you know, obviously some years we may be the ones doing the grieving in other years, it's someone else sitting in that chair for the first time. So first of all, if we're grieving, how do we let others know what we need? And and that means even if we don't know what we need, how do we let them know what we need from them? Well, I mean, I think this is the hard part, you know, I think letting people know, you know, that and exactly this, right? Sometimes it's please read this book, right? I have a section in my book that speaks to people supporting grievers. But other times it can be, you know, I really don't know that I can do this right now and I don't want to commit to this or, you know, hey, I could use some support this year or some help this year. I think we have to be able to reach out or we have to be able to communicate if people around us are not getting it or, you know, at least being the ones to to initiate whether or not we need asking whether or not we need help. So, I mean, I think I think we have to sort of play it by ear and say, hey, I don't know how I'm going to feel this day, but I do know that I'm not going to be able to do as much as I have done before. And so perhaps we can figure that out. I'm not going to be able, someone else may have to do the shopping. Someone else may have to do the cooking. Someone else may have to decorate or wrap. You know, I don't believe I can do that this year. And if I can, then I will certainly show up and do that. But right now I have to play that by ear. And I think we have to be able to say that. That makes a lot of sense. And then what if this loss is extremely fresh? Because, you know, and some people have what I'll call the luxury of it being a few months since they lost someone as we enter the holidays. And for others, it is 
so fresh, so raw. What's the best way to to approach the holidays and your self-care if everything is still very fresh for you? I think that really it kind of is the same in a lot of ways. You know, I, I say often, go gently, be as gentle as you can as you approach the holidays. And, and like I said, even earlier, whether it is the holidays or whether it is anything else in our lives, the best advice is to try to still be prepared, even if we aren't, you know, even if we're overwhelmed and even if we're, you know, inundated with things, we're probably still at the point where there's a lot of shock and that, you know, the information hasn't necessarily sunk in, or perhaps we've had a sudden unexpected loss and we're in the trauma of that. And I think, you know, is we must expect that the holiday will not be what it was before. But if we don't have people around us to know that or to help us with what we need, it is really important that we just go as gently as we can, plan for the things that we're able to, but also expect that more often than not, we probably won't be able to do the things we thought because we're simply in survival mode. And so if we want to stay home and, you know, eat cookies and sit on the couch and cry, that has to be okay. And it's certainly okay in my book. And I think this is the time where we say give grace and not advice, right? So, you know, more than anything, what we need is to keep our advice and our opinions to ourselves on how people will spend that day. And this is where we need presence and patience for the people that we love. Yeah. And sometimes bare minimum is quite enough, you know? getting out of bed if that's what you can accomplish that day good for you you did it and and we don't give ourselves enough credit for that it's it's so true and you know what some days though if it's christmas day and it was important and you need to stay in bed you know a little bit longer that's okay too mm-hmm. you just don't want to make a habit out of isolating and and yeah and i think that's what it is i think that i think the grace comes however we can however we can get through the day And sometimes it will be to stay in bed. And sometimes it will be just to shower. And sometimes it will be because we have a pet that needs to be walked. So they get us out of bed, you know, and whatever that is, that can be a triumph. Let's celebrate those little things, just getting through the day, you know. And is there a point at which you, you look at it and you say, okay, and I don't want to say I should be doing this, but where you say, okay, I, I feel like I'm not making any progress in this grief walk. And, and I need some help, what, what would you say would be the signs that after a certain period of time, you really need help walking down this path? Sure. You know, I think that time is a tricky thing because we, we always say time heals all wounds, but, you know, it really doesn't. Mm, and no. <laughs> it's what we do with the time that matters. It's, you know, how are we using tools or, you know, what are we using in the time to to connect with other people, you know, connection in and of itself is one of the deepest healing tools there is safe, safe, genuine, loving connection. But I would say this, you know, if you're somebody who is ruminating over the loss, if you're somebody who just can't accept that the loss has happened, if you are somebody who's really struggling with the acceptance that this person is gone and, and, or feel some sense of responsibility if you are also isolating yourself, like I said earlier, and you don't want to see people more and more and more, if you know your daily functioning seems to be lessening day by day, I think these are the times that reaching out for help will be the most vital for you. You know, because otherwise, grief grief is this full body experience that will change our lives and throw us off course and throw us off center. 
And that's not always something that needs therapy. And it's not always something that needs a support group. Although I always encourage it if you want to, of course, <laughs> that would be, you know, I can't be a therapist and not encourage therapy. Exactly. But, uh, no, you're but, fine. <laughs> Get back out there. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, for some people, therapy is not it, right? So it, but so for me, it's what does therapy provide a sense of safe connection, you know, and validation. And that's for people going through sort of what I'll call a normal grief experience where they aren't ruminating or isolating, you know, you know, or, you know, feeling responsible or stuck in the throes of trauma. And, you know, and if, if you are experiencing any of those things, it is really incredibly important to reach out to a therapist or a professional, someone you yeah. trust or someone who specializes in grief specifically. Yeah. And I do think that's an important distinction to make because I will never bash therapists, but I will say not all of them are equally skilled. Oh, and, for sure. And I have had, I have sought help in dealing with certain losses and the people were not skilled at dealing with loss. That was not their bag. And so you really do, if you're, if you're seeking help for grief and loss, you do need to make sure that, that the person you consult has expertise in that area. Absolutely. And I, I always bring it back to the doctor in a metaphor in that same way, which is you're not going to go to a podiatrist for a heart problem. And, <laughs> you know, because of what I said earlier, you know, people were not receiving specialized grief training and education in graduate school. You have to seek that out yourself. And so it, it is important that you, if you don't already have a therapist that you feel safe with, that you do, you make sure that you do whatever research you can or have someone else do it for you. But but also, even the training itself is not always everything. You have to feel safe with this person or you're right. not going to share. <laughs> you right. know, you're not going to be as honest. So uh, therapy is so helpful, but it has to be the right person with the right training. Yeah, that is so true. The last question I was going to ask you is, you know, what's the one thing everyone should keep in mind this holiday season, whether they're experiencing grief or helping someone else through it? You know, earlier I, I I said something about patience and presence being the biggest gift that we can give somebody who's grieving this holiday season. And it's also something that we need to give ourselves. If we can be present, allow our feelings, allow the time to feel our feelings, do what we can to take the pressure off of ourselves, plan for our grief, you know, not, you know, don't be afraid to create new rituals or expand on the ones we've already had you know, as a griever and as somebody supporting grief, you know, as I said before, you know, walk beside somebody, you know, don't try to lead them. Don't try to carry them. Don't try to push them towards healing. Be with them, be present, be patient, because this is a time like no other in their life. And despite it all, we do remember these moments, you know, as much as we have brain fog, we remember who walks with us on this path. And so I think the biggest pieces of advice I would say, both as a griever and as someone supporting them, is to be present and patient on this path because it does take endurance and it can be incredibly lonely. That's so well said. Gina, man, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. You you have so much to teach us on this subject. Your book is amazing. Oh, I know that you're you. offering a free chapter uh, when they visit our website. We're going to tell them how they can get that. Yes. And just a fantastic, well-written much needed book. And thank you for writing that. And thank you oh. for coming on and, and talking about grief today. Paula, thank you so much. And thank you again for all you do and bringing, you know, the light and the spotlight to something that is incredibly hard to talk about. And, 
and for all the aching hearts out there. You know, my heart is with your heart. And so thank you, Paula, for all of this. That was Gina Moffa talking about handling grief during the holiday season. If you'd like to learn more about Gina, explore her new book, Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go, A Modern Guide to Navigating Loss, or download a free chapter, just visit us at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. That is all we have time for today. And for all of us at Live Happy, this is Paula Phelps wishing you and your loved ones a truly happy holiday season.